Record Collections and Recollections. Out of the Box with Mia Hull on FBI Radio. Big thanks to Eddie Diamond for looking after you today on Mornings. You're tuned into FBI Radio. This show is called Out of the Box and I'm your host, Mia Hull. Today I'm chatting to transgender lesbian comedian Rosie Piper. Rosie will be performing for Laugh Out Proud tomorrow as part of Sydney's Gay and Lesbian Mardi Gras, but first she's here to talk all about her life. Thanks for joining me on the show today, Rosie. Thank you for having me. It's nice to be here. Nice to have you. (laughs) Where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up in the Shire uh, in a place called Ingadine, which uh, until, you know, the last year or so, no one ever knew what it was. And then the, uh, I'm going to call it a truma, uh, and instead of a rumour, uh, it came out of our uh, Honourable Prime Minister uh, shitting himself in the, uh, the McDonald's there. And uh, I, I like to think that it happened. So an idyllic childhood in Engadine. Um <laughs> Did you play sport growing up? Uh, I did. I uh, I played rugby league for the Ingadine Dragons for 10 years, uh, which is odd because I dread that sport now <laughs> and like all the culture around it. What changed? But, uh, I, I age, I think, and like finding who I am and what I like more, I think, because, you know, I was a lot of what I was doing growing up in white suburbia was just trying to fit in and like not tell people that there was like all this turmoil going on inside me. So I was just like, Oh, I'll be one of the boys play footy. And uh, and it was, yeah, I'm glad to be behind it. Not that I don't like sport. I love sport. Uh, just, just not that one. <laughs> and so that turmoil that you're talking about is wondering whether or not you might be transgender. Yeah. Um, I like, I knew from a very early age that something was up, but um, I didn't because, like, I kind of grew up, like, around the time, like, the internet was still growing. So there wasn't, like, a big online community for me to go and, like, look and find out if there were, like, other people who felt what I felt. So I didn't know how to articulate it. Um, so I, I didn't end up coming out publicly until I was nearly 29. So it was, uh, it was rough. So Engadine wasn't the most conducive environment for someone wondering if they might be trans? No, uh, (laughs) I think it's like, there are worse places to grow up. It's like, it's a good place if you like, you know, like a big kind of sprawling town with lots of bushland and whatnot. Like I, I liked growing up around that, but like. God, I remember when like a Sudanese family moved into the suburb and just the stares they would get. It's just, yeah, it's it's all a bit kind of oppressive white suburbia, I think. And what was your experience in high school? Uh, I mean, good and bad, I guess. <laughs> like, um, I think I, I was well liked because um, like I'm funny. I think, um, <laughs> which I'm sure part of that came from the fact that uh, I was I, I was a bit of a punching bag, I think, um, and I was like kind of always happy to embarrass myself, I think, for the amusement of others. Maybe not happy to, but <laughs> willing to. Um, 
Yeah. Tell and me about a time you embarrassed yourself on purpose. <laughs> oh, maybe I, I don't know if it was necessarily on purpose. It was just more like carelessness. But um, I mean, there there was quite a lot of uh, full frontal nudity among my friend group. <laughs> I think uh, we we did get chucked in the back of a paddy wagon for running around a bar high temple naked near Helensburg. Uh, so that was an interesting time. But I think yeah, it was just often I, I'd be happy to get really drunk and then walk into school on monday with my head down just waiting for like the kind of like over the top knee slapping laughter from my friend matt um yeah and just like being the butt of the joke yeah pretty much (laughs) and did you have a lot of gay or trans role models growing up not really yeah (laughs) i think um like i didn't really know any gay people um certainly didn't know any trans people um like i don't know if you've seen that uh documentary that they put up on netflix last year disclosure which is all about just like trans representation in the media and i just like i couldn't have sat there and like nodded my head more been like yes this is such a good point like i would have had so much more like capacity to tell people what was going on if like there was any representation beyond being like the butt of a joke on a sitcom and what what music were you listening to at this time uh around like that teen years stuff like mid-teens was probably like a lot of like pop punk kind of stuff like that um and then yeah i think yeah definitely a lot of like angsty stuff (laughs) i think uh I i never dyed the hair black but i did have the the emo fringe um but then, yeah, like I definitely owned like a bunch of like sweatbands and stuff <laughs> wearing around your wrist, um, which was which is not a good look at all. Um, but yeah, I think once I got to like the later years of high school was when you like discovered stuff like Pitchfork and started to like think that you know better than everybody else, which is such an ugly color on yourself. <laughs> I like uh, I was doing like a bit of like I was calling it online gardening. Uh, during lockdown where I was going and just like getting rid of all my old tweets because there were just so many bad replies to people of me being like, you're wrong about this. Like, I'm right because I like this band and it's just, oh, it's so yuck. People can like what they like. And you've played music yourself, haven't you? I have. uh, (laughs) um, I played in a band um, recently uh, called The Decimals, um, which I think have had some airplay on FBI. Um, they're on Bandcamp. Check them out. Um, <laughs> but um, I, uh, yeah, I think, yeah, that kind of later years of high school, me and a few people played in a band called The Buzz. No idea why. The worst name ever. Um, <laughs> it was, yeah, it was shocking. I'm really glad that uh, MySpace all got deleted because there's all traces of that <laughs> that music gone. But we did do a thing, uh, which is. Uh, like you know daft punk have just broken up we actually used to do a thing uh where in the middle of one of our songs we would uh play defunk and friends of mine had had uh 21st where two of them went as daft punk so we took their like quite well-made helmets and put them on it was oh god it was shocking (laughs) tell me about the first song you've chosen for today okay it's it's called everything's all right by uh motion city soundtrack which um, I like, I remember I, I would have been like 16, I think. And I was, um, I was on the Gold Coast with my family 
and uh, I was coming back that day and like that I think that like that was an age where like like I was the punching bag and stuff like that and um, like filled with all this anxiety about like this stuff that I couldn't articulate and I'd heard that it was like a good album so I bought it and then like while I was on my way home like I had a whole bunch of different friends be like hey we're all going to the beach today and then like tonight we're like going to go to so-and-so's place and do some underage drinking and like I I really didn't often feel a sense of belonging um or like acceptance or anything like that and like I don't I don't know why but it just like because I just like played that song on repeat like all day and like it was just a really happy day and every time I hear it it kind of returns me to that feeling of real real joy and acceptance and also like I think the lyrics in it like are just all about like anxiety and whatnot and just telling yourself like hey everything's gonna be all right which like I I, I kind of like the way that it plays out at the end just saying hey hey everything's fine even though you know it's probably not but you've got to tell yourself that to cope I think this is Everything Is Alright by Motion City Soundtrack. You're listening to FBI Radio with me, Mia Hull, and comedian Rosie Piper.
on FBI Radio 94.5 DAB, or if you're streaming online, that track was by Motion City Soundtrack. It was called Everything Is Alright, and it was a selection by my guest on Out of the Box, Rosie Piper. Where were you in life when you started to take interest in comedy? Uh, real, real young. Um, I think, like, um, the first instance I saw of, like, stand-up, um, which I guess is, like, the main passion where comedy lies was, uh, I think like many comics from my generation was Carl Barron on the footy show. Um, but like that, it was just such a novel idea to like, I think it was like eight years old or something like that. It was just like, Oh, he's just standing there and being funny. Um, and then like, I think we, we would have got like Foxtel or something like that shortly after that and had like the comedy channel. So like there would be, you know, like occasionally stand up things on there, and then like the Melbourne Comedy Festival gala would be on every year, and like my sister and I would always tape it, and then just like spend the rest of the year watching it on repeat. Um, and yeah, it just like it just always seemed like something that I could do and would be interested in doing. And I like, I think I eventually uh, when I, when I was in year eleven and twelve, when you go away and you kind of like school camp or whatever they had those like red faces nights and I think because I had such a like extensive knowledge of like obscure comedy that no one would know I uh I just did stand up <laughs> at both of them which was just like like a bunch of it was like people who I have like oh I'm friends with now um but I just knew no one would know their stuff I remember um one of the teachers coming up to me after the year 12 one and saying like, mate, I would pay to see that. I'm like, you could have. Um, but so you were taking other people's sets and pretending they were yours? Yes, but uh, not for any like public gain. Uh, yeah. This was just in front of school people, uh, which like I have since admitted to as many people as I can because I've never done that at a gig. <laughs> I've absolutely. Anyone listening. Rosie Piper is not still jokes. Yes, I have <laughs> been wholly original. Um I mean, like, it would be pretty hard to get away with stealing jokes at the moment. There's not too many trans comedians to pinch from anyway. Um, but, uh, yeah, I um, I think I, I would have been like 21 or something like that um, in New York on New Year's Eve. And, like, we were all trying to make big New Year's resolutions. I was like, oh, I'm going to do stand-up this year. And then uh, it finally did in October. Um, but just kind of fell in love with it um, and have done it ever since and it can be a cruel mistress at times but it's it's a good feeling I think. So you started it pretty young when when did you start to perform as Rosie? Uh, yeah I would, I would have been 22 when I started um, I I came out in um, like publicly in January of 2018 um, and I didn't perform as Rosie until March because I didn't have any material yet. So that was kind of like a weird little time of like going to gigs and being like, oh, hey, but can you bring me up as my dead name? But then also don't call me that at another time. Um, But then, yeah, finally did it at a a gig that some friends used to run at Newtown Hotel called Cactus Juice. And it was good. It felt very good. Um, Like, it's not the best spot I've ever done but like it's probably my favorite because I finally got over the hump and yeah it's like it's been really nice I think in the wake of that like a lot of people have told me like you're always funny but like watching how much better you got after um coming out has been great to watch which is like it does kind of like compliments are not 
why you do it, but it's nice to hear that kind of validation of like, yeah, being yourself is a good thing, I think. Has it changed the shape of your comedy sets as well? Uh, absolutely, I think. Uh, I think I definitely have like a, a very different persona on stage, um, like a much more comfortable one. Mm-hmm. Um, like, uh, like before that, it was just the kind of like, just the same average kind of white guy in a t-shirt, like trying to be self-deprecating, I guess. But like now, I feel like I can yeah be confident and like also like a lot of what I talk about is being trans because that's just what's going on um but you know people have got to go out there and give voice to those things so that other people may you know find comfort in that I guess and you said there aren't a lot of trans comedians around at the moment are there no like I, I I probably couldn't name you 20 in Australia which like maybe there are and I just don't have my finger on the pulse but <laughs> yeah there's there's not a, a heap and like, there's, there's definitely ways to go with like representation of it but um yeah hopefully the more people that start doing it the more people can feel like they can and like I, I was really terrified for a long time about coming out in the comedy world because like a lot of being in the comedy world is like you'll rip on each other because it's easy to make jokes like that but like also comedy is full of a bunch of rejects who <laughs> have all got like mental health issues and whatnot so I was like oh yeah of course everyone's gonna be okay with this so it's it's actually been very nice I want to jump into a song by Mannequin Pussy now mm-hmm. I'm saying that name <laughs> tell me why you chose this song uh, so 2019 was like a, a pretty bad year for me. I, uh, I, I got made redundant from a job. Um, I, um, and I was like, I was writing, uh, a show, um, which largely dealt with kind of coming out what sort of the early years of being trans have been and, uh, the sort of breakup that resulted as um, resulted from me coming out rather and that dug up a lot of trauma <laughs> I think um, there is like a somewhat funny story attached to it which is like why this sort of attaches to the lyrics um, of this song is uh, when I came out to my girlfriend she broke up with me and uh, sort of cited that she was straight and she couldn't be with a woman and she's engaged to one now, um, <laughs> which I think you've just got to laugh about. It's quite funny. But uh, she, uh, I think, uh, maybe, and I really don't know, but I think maybe she might have felt a bit of shame where that was concerned or something like that because, like, we don't talk anymore. She just kind of disappeared, um, which is fine. You know, like, uh, I'm... Like, I, I really don't like bitterness attached to all that sort of stuff. Like, I understand it would have been very hard for her. Um, but this song is, like, while digging all that trauma up, this song was really cathartic, I think, um, in dealing with that. Because, like, it's the, seldom have I felt a song was more written for me. Like, the singer Missy, like, refers to herself as Missy in the chorus and I'm like it just replace it with Rosie and then it's me 
Like I've seldom heard a more scathing line than uh, was the "You don't look at me, you don't talk to me, and I know it's because you're weak, baby. You feel guilty. It's pathetic." <laughs> I'm like, "Oh, all right, that one hits home." <laughs> but yeah, I think it was also like I was like I was doing a lot of drinking that year, and yeah, it was just kind of destroying myself and not dealing with things properly. So yeah, I think th- this is this is a very good breakup song. This is Mannequin Pussy and Drunk 2 on FBI Radio 
Drunk 2. That was Mannequin Pussy on FBI Radio 94.5. Right now on Out of the Box, I'm joined by trans lesbian comedian Rosie Piper. Rosie, you're currently living in Redfern. Tell me about your apartment. Uh, it looks like a Quest service department. <laughs> it's like it's top floor, west facing. Uh, it's just gets so much sun at the end of the day. It's brutally hot. Uh, you got to walk up three flights of stairs <laughs> every day to get there, which is why I think, uh, like, of the many things that I don't like about my body because uh, of the whole trans thing, uh, I do have quite good legs and butt, and I think a good <laughs> lot of that is because of just having to walk up and down these stairs, <laughs> like, multiple times a day for nine years. Um, yeah, it's a shame radio's an audio medium because those legs and butt, <laughs> wow. Check me out on social media. Yeah, I'm... Pretty not shy about showing it off. <laughs> um, yeah, it's 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 an odd place. I've like I've been through a lot of housemates because I've been there for so long, and I've seen some very good times there, and I've also seen a lot of very bad times there. Um, How long have you been there? Nine years, and yeah, I'm I'm pretty pretty ready to not be there anymore. I think. Yeah, so it's been the setting for a lot of major events in your life. You were just talking about coming out to your girlfriend and then breaking up as a result of that. Yeah, that all happened. All in that in, apartment. In that apartment. <laughs> <laughs> up those big flights of stairs. Yeah. Um, how were you expressing your femininity before that happened? Before coming out? Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, um, it, like, I guess, like, around teen years, like, it was the sort of, like when you're home alone go and like try on your sister's clothes or something like that and then take them off and immediately feel an incredible amount of shame um but then i um when i finally moved out there um i i had a girlfriend uh but we broke up and then when we broke up um like for a while before that i'd kind of like really looked into the kind of subculture of like straight male cross dresses and i was like oh that's that that could be a thing uh that seems easier than being trans so once we broke up and i was like out of home i was just like oh i don't have anyone tied to me anymore so i'm gonna go and like buy some stuff and um would just kind of like dress up around the house and then um then kind of hit it from a lot of people um and then when i met the uh girl who would uh, eventually break up with me when I came out to her um, I uh, kind of got caught um, and then had to kind of explain it all and it was uh, it was kind of always a bugbear of hers in our relationship but the more I started to do it and like the more people I told and the more I went out in public the more I started to be like oh there's more to this you need to confront what's really going on and then yeah one day just Came home from the therapist and everything just spilled out. Was coming out to your girlfriend your first come out experience? No, I uh, I came to terms with it probably about six months before I told her. Um, I, I I was giving a comedian, Becky Lucas, uh, a lift home from a gig. And she just kind of asked me like a lot of really frank questions that I wasn't really asking myself. And then I just kind of like dropped her at her house drove to the end of her street, stopped and went, oh, shit. <laughs> it just kind of all clicked into place then. Um, but uh, the first friends that I came out to was at uh, the, it would have been Golden Plains uh, Festival in Victoria, uh, standing underneath a tree, which I have tattooed on my arm. Um, but, uh, yeah, 
just like I, I love that place. It's like church to me, um, which is why I got a tree there tattooed on my arm. But um, I, yeah, I think with like a bit of liquid courage and whatnot, just kind of like, all right. I'm with people that I really love. I'm in a place that I really love. I feel really happy. I feel like I can do this and told them and they were fine. And then, yeah, just sort of slowly over those next six months kind of told more people, um, which I like do feel a little bit bad about because I had to be like, keep it under wraps because I haven't told her because uh, I was scared that when I told her she was going to break up with me uh, and I was very vindicated by that. <laughs> <laughs> but vindication isn't always good. Um but yeah, um, kind of, I think once that was done, then it was just like, okay, get yourself over the final frontier and like actually come out. And it took a few months, but yeah, just one day or I was just at home one night and just, just started typing. And then the next morning I was going to the beach with a couple of friends and I just, uh, hit send on Facebook, just this big long post telling everybody about it. And then I just shut my computer, left my phone on my bed, went to the beach and then came back much later in the day um, to read everybody's very nice supportive messages. Back in that apartment, it's it's seen it all. <laughs> yeah, so that was a good day in the apartment. Yeah, and you did lockdown there as well. I did, yeah, and both of my housemates uh, like took off kind of like just before lockdown happened, so I was alone in this three-bedroom apartment for three months, which was interesting. <laughs> yeah, wow, how, how do you manage that? What's a day in the life look like? Uh, I, I, well, I was unemployed at the time as well, <laughs> so I... Um, I went on a lot of very long walks, <laughs> I think, but I um, there, there's like a billion songs that I could have chosen for this, uh, and this could have been one of them as well. Was like uh, I would wake up every morning and listen to this specific cover of uh, "Over the Rainbow" just to try and give myself a bit of hope. Um, and then I think if ever I was starting to have my mood feel really down, uh, I would dance around the apartment nude to the song "Horny '98" by Moose T. <laughs> Which works. It really works. Give it a shot if you're ever feeling shitty. Um, but yeah, I think it was just like trying to talk to friends as much as possible, I think. Um, but um, my record player broke like right before lockdown started. So that was a pain because uh, that would have been a nice thing to do. Mm. But yeah, I think it was just a lot of sitting on, uh, on my balcony, really, and just trying not to go mental. But the song we have gone with to mark this chapter is instead one by a trans artist. Mm-hmm. Tell me about it. Uh, so uh, I I went to Meredith. Uh, I think it was, it would have been the Meredith following the Golden Plains that I came out to people at for the first time. So it was in the same year. Um, so I wasn't out publicly yet, but I was out to all of them. And uh, Romy Vager, or, I'm not quite sure how to pronounce her surname to be honest uh but she uh of rvg she's trans and uh they played in the afternoon and there's like there's a big kind of tradition at like golden plains and meredith of like if a band is killing it you just put your shoe in the air and it's always like a bit of like who's gonna get the biggest shoeing and it was comfortably rvg during this song and i very much just like shed happy tears because I was like, oh, this is a trans woman going really well. Um, and then I think because of that, I always felt like a sort of big connection to this song. So that day when I did come out, when I came home, 
uh, and sat on my balcony and like read all everyone's nice messages. I sat there and like put this album on and yeah, did some more happy crying. That's such a nice story. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot to say the nicest thing about that where I was sitting there and I was like, oh, I've never felt happier than this. On Out of the Box, this is RVG. The song's called That's All. Stay tuned, you're listening to FBI.
That was That's All by RVG on FBI Radio 94.5, an excellent selection by my guest on Out of the Box, Rosie Piper. Rosie, tell me about transitioning. It's uh, a, a torrid affair. <laughs> Hormone replacement therapy is, is very interesting because um, uh, I think, especially the age that I started, like I started when I was 29 um, and yeah, I'm like, I'm nearly 32 and it's really interesting to have your body filled with like teenage hormones while you deal with adult problems i think like and like because i've experienced like both uh kind of you know puberties now i guess um and hats off to the girls because i reckon it must be heaps harder (laughs) but um yeah it's like it's 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 interesting i think because like at one point like when I started to like really feel the hormone like the hormonal change it was like oh this feels more right um like I finally actually like feel myself a bit but like yeah it it, it is really kind of up and down <laughs> moody and all that like I I was always pre- and maybe it was just because I was trying to put on like a brave boy face or something like that but like I was always pretty stoic uh, I think, um, which is also maybe just because like I'm the only public speaker in my family, so I always have to do the eulogies um, at funerals. But um, like, holy dooly, do I cry now? I, dro- I cry at the drop of a hat, um, like because someone just lost their hat. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's it, like yeah, it's it's weird. It, it's interesting to watch your body change. Like, I knew it wouldn't like ch- like change me developmentally massively because I started late like if you get people when they're at a developmental change you might end up looking maybe a little bit more cis I guess than I do um which like this is probably not even the right thing to say but it's just my experience but like I did actually like find some photos recently where I was like oh shit like my face has actually changed and that was nice to see and like I've grown boobs that's pretty fun (laughs) (laughs) that's nice to see because I always felt like there was a bit of phantom limb there other than the crying, what are what are some of the challenges you face transitioning? I've been kicked out of uh, the bathroom uh, at a couple of different pubs, or, or kicked out of the pub, rather, for being uh, in the women's bathroom. Uh, I think especially because of my voice, people just assume that I'm a man because... Um, like, you know, I, I dress like the kind of sloppy lesbian that I am. So it's jeans and T-shirts and, like, you know, unless I'm wearing, like, a grey shirt or something like that, you can't, like, really see that I've got boobs. Um, so, yeah, I, I really do often get, sir, dude, man, um, which which isn't fun. Um, but also, occasionally, people get it right, and that's a nice feeling. That's quite validating. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, there's, there's a billion things that are hard about it. Like if I want to change my sex on my birth certificate, I've got to have had gender confirming surgeries, which like, that's something that I want to do, but that's not something that every trans person wants to do. And it's also really expensive. And so for that, you've got to go fund me, don't you? That I do. Um, still active and available on my social media. And, um, yeah, we can pop a link to that up in the programs page on fbiradio.com as well. What, <laughs> what does it mean to have um, the surgery? What, what does that change for you? I think just feeling comfortable um, in 
the body that I've never felt comfortable in, I think. Um, like, even with changes, there's still, like, a tremendous amount of dysphoria. Um, it's never felt right. Like, who I see in the mirror isn't what I see in my head. Um, and, you know, also I just think it would be really funny one day to look like this gorgeous cis girl and have this voice. Um, just it feels very punk rock, I think. Um, but yeah, just yeah, finally feeling comfortable, I think would be a nice, a nice thing because it's been a long time of not. What are some things that have brought you comfort while you're transitioning? What's been helpful to you? I think largely like sort of having the courage to just live as me, I think, and like not give a shit <laughs> what people think and like it, it's it's obviously like very nice um that for the most part everyone treats me as who I want to like or how I want to be treated and as I am um it's it it's a weird like comfort I think knowing that there are people who've never known me as someone else um like I don't know why, but that's that's quite validating to me. Is like people who say that they like they can't picture me um, as that, and that like my dead name doesn't suit me and stuff like that, which I never felt like I did either. Um, but yeah, I I I think largely it's just kind of being able to be myself and not think that I'm going to lose people because of that. The only you they've ever known is Rosie Piper. Yeah. Um, I'm going to jump into a song by Kylie Minogue. Mm -hmm. Why did you choose this? Well, Mardi Gras is coming up, so you have to. Um, (laughs) But um, the reason I chose this was this may have even been at the same Meredith that the RVG thing is from. I can't quite remember, but... um, Meredith only has one stage and um, like a lot of the fun that you can have there is just with the like interstitial DJ in between. Um, I, think I remember seeing Japan Droids there once and um, before they came on, who whoever was DJing just played like a bunch of like sing-along like year 12 <laughs> party bangers or whatever. It was like Mr. Brightside and like You're the Voice and stuff like that and it was just like the whole amphitheater was packed everyone was screaming along and they came out and were like we can't be better than that (laughs) like i could have just stayed here and watched you guys sing along to that for the next hour but um one of the times was at meredith was like it started the morning that um the same-sex marriage bill got passed in the senate i think it was um so just in the kind of like late afternoon early evening between two bands um the dj put on love at first sight um and then all the lights around the place just all lit up in rainbow as like a kind of like celebration for it and like the feeling of joy in the air and like everybody seemed to know all the words as well but it was like it was a really nice moment i think just of like community This is Love at First Sight by Kylie Minogue. You're listening to FBI Radio with me, Mia Hull, and Rosie Piper.
Kylie Minogue, that was Love at First Sight on FBI Radio 94.5. Rosie, tell me about the podcast you made with your friends. Oh, dear. Um, <laughs> it no longer exists. Um, but uh, it was it was essentially just we, um, we, we were at a gig one night and we were just talking with a lot of reverence about that kind of like American Pie style, like teen sex comedy. And we're like, that could be like a good podcast then if we like went back because like we can talk about all the music that we liked in them like we can see if it stands the test of time most of them don't um but um we yeah we started it and then quite quickly realized that there are about eight good movies in that genre (laughs) so we strayed pretty far from the premise at times um i mean there's an entire episode where we just talk about drills uh, cause we thought it was funny, uh, and whether or not our very few listeners did is another story. Uh, but we had fun, but, um, yeah, uh, I think that, that was certainly interesting to do under the lens of having come out as trans, I think, cause there's, yeah, there's trans people aren't treated so kindly in a lot of those movies, but yeah, it, it made it, it. It was a real chore, I think, to watch 
uh, a lot of those movies at the times. It's made me really like not enjoy movies anymore. Like <laughs> dissect the bird and kill its song. I think, although we probably spent about five minutes per episode talking about the movies and then the other 55 dissecting the bizarre personal life of one of the casts. But um, yeah, but I, I remember we got some nice fan mail uh, from someone once saying that, hey, it's like, it's nice to hear a trans person like just sort of being themselves and not having to be a martyr or anything like that and like glamorize the whole thing. Um, it's just me on there talking absolute shit with my friends um and yeah i i i feel like maybe me just being on there and being myself like that and not just with that but with anything is maybe the more productive part than like having to be super outspoken about everything because like i like i like being silly um and like I can absolutely be sincere with the rest of them, but like I, I, I don't know. I like I, I don't feel, I don't feel like I respect my own intelligence enough to get on there and like get on my soapbox about things. So, yeah, I'd probably just rather dick around. Well, yeah, I, I mean that's probably a statement in and of itself. Is a trans person up on stage doing stuff, and they don't necessarily have to be talking about being trans, but just like living your life and being a performer. I I remember talking to another um, comedian, Cassie Workman, who's also trans, about that once where she was like, well, our very existence is political. And I was like, oh, that's true, isn't it? (laughs) I'd really like to be apathetic about a lot of this. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But the podcast isn't the only bit of media you're involved with. You might have a book coming out sometime in the future, maybe. Uh, Who knows? I mean, like, (laughs) (laughs) that's like real embryonic stages. Um, It's just like an idea that um, I've been like, well, it's an idea that's been pushed down my throat by my mother for a very long time. I was like, you should write a book. Why don't you write a book? You, you could write it. Why don't you do that? Um, and I think she was probably very happy uh, to get a text message from me, uh, you know, a month or so ago being like, all right, I'm starting to write things for the book. Um, but, yeah, that like that's something that I would love to uh, to do. Um, but, I yeah, I would like to uh, put quite a lot of thought into... Uh, I think making it funny and insightful. So who knows? Check back in with me in like eight years. <laughs> Maybe we'll be there. All right. We'll check back in in eight years for the book. But we can check in tomorrow to see you performing at Laugh Out Proud. Yes. What's that all about? Uh, it is, I believe, the official Mardi Gras comedy showcase. Uh, it's at the Enmore Theatre, which I think uh, I, I saw some photos uh, of a show there. Uh, last night they've like refurbed it a bit it all looks very nice so I'm looking forward to performing there because I have not performed on that stage before Um, but yeah I I think it'll be it'll be a fun fabulous show yeah so anyone who has a ticket to that you are a lucky duck because they've sold out but that'll be happening at the Enmore tomorrow at 7.30pm and any acts of overpriced scalping are homophobia (laughs) (laughs) Rosie Piper, thank you so much for joining me today on Out of the Box. Thank you so much for having me. What song would you like to end on? 
this song is uh, I I'm like a really overly sentimental lovey dovey person, um, and uh, th- this song just like sort of I, I live in a constant fantasy world I think, um, and like whenever I'm like in love with someone, uh, this song always gets a huge amount of rotations because uh, I just have this dumb little fantasy in my head of, like, how cute it would be to, like, be in a band and playing this with them and then, like, proposing to them <laughs> with uh, this song uh, because it's called Archie Marry Me by Always. Well, let's jump into that now on FBI Radio 94.5. And don't go anywhere. Brie Kennedy will be hanging out with you for lunch up next. podcast is produced by FBI Radio in Sydney. Find more at fbiradio.com slash podcasts.